Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Today is Monday, April 3rd, 2017. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 21, the first paragraph that begins with, what about the real alcoholic? Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Kathy F., The Twelve Traditions, Anne Marie M., and reading the literature today are Lisa B. and Hoodie R. The share ID for Sunday, April 2nd, 2017, our special edition meeting is 89788. 97 Eight, eight. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy F. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Kathy F., a compulsive overeater. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you, Kathy S. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning. Good morning, Santa and everyone. Uh, my name is Anne-Marie M., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I, the 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but not our trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requir- Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Three, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous um, should remain forever non-professional. Our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, a public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. So, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Anne-Marie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of Purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. 
in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 21, the first paragraph, beginning with, what about the real alcoholic through three paragraphs ending should identify him roughly? The first paragraph on page 21 is read for context and comments is focused on the second paragraph on page 21 and the first paragraph on page 22. I will now ask Lisa B. to begin reading. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Good. Thank you. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. Here is a fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is always, he is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, yet let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, but in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills and aptitudes, and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself, and then pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early the next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house. To be certain, no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedatives and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospital and sanitariums. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly. Wow, what a powerful reading. there's so much that jumps out to me. Um, the first thing is that this speaks of is how uncomfortable it is for me to be abstinent only. And as I've gotten older and my disease, I'm told in this book, and you guys tell me that this disease is chronic, it's progressive, and it's fatal. And, you know, as I get older, it's like my disease becomes more vital and more full of life and power. And the doctor's opinion tells me that men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. That's why I need to pick up because 
I don't like how it feels to be abstinent. So um, I live, uh, you know, for me, this, this reading also speaks so much of that my, my internal life is so full of conflict within myself before I eat. And then, oh, the terrible conflict after I eat, drunk on my food and my substances, I'll dump all over everyone everyone around me, that inner pain then becomes your pain. You know, if I'm suffering, you're going to suffer. And um, then I I feel terrible about that. I can't stand that part of me, but yet I don't have any ability to stop that behavior. I felt, then the other thing that stands out for me is when he talks about the selfishness and dishonesty. I lived so much dishonesty and, of course, selfishness, yes, but the dishonesty of thinking that if I could somehow manage life, you know, if I could rest, I could rest satisfaction and have happiness if I just got the things I want. And I still am confronted with those dishonesties today as a recovered person daily. Um, I'm confronted when I do my 10 steps and my, my 11 step. I see that that's something that's still is is alive inside of me, but that uh, Mr. Hyde, to me, is is the disease. You know, it just is the wanting to control people, places, and things. And if you had the problems that I had, you know, you would need to eat those big pound bags of uh, M and M's and have the sugary coffee beverages to cope. I just couldn't cope. I couldn't cope with life. You know. And from a young age, that, that ism, I, self, and me, was there waiting just to be ignited um, with the substances, you know, my alcoholic foods. I'm a relief seeker. That's just how I'm made. And it's a God-shaped hole, and I know that today, and that's the only thing that's going to bring me relief. And these 12 steps bring me to that um, that connection, that alignment with my higher power. I was so out of alignment in this place that they're talking about. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Just that it it definitely gets worse. <laughs> it definitely gets worse. Um, so with that, I pass. But it gets better as I get recovered. I will share that on a happy note. It definitely gets better when I get recovered. But if I don't get recovered, the disease gets worse. So with that, I pass. Hey, thank you, Lisa B. And who would like and to comment for three minutes? Three minutes. I heard Tracy There's so much background noise. I'm having a hard time hearing anyone else. Larry E. I heard Larry. Barbara. I heard something with an E. Barbara. Barbara E. Okay. A. I heard an A. Natasha A. Natasha. Okay, we'll stop right there, and if everybody can mute their line, um, and I'll let you know who I have, and we'll pick up again the next round. I have Chrissy G, Larry K, Barbara E, and Natasha H. Good morning, Chrissy G. Good morning, Santa. It's Chrissy G. Can you hear me? I sure can. Mm-hmm. I'm recovered in New Jersey. I um, had my my current sponsor who read this to me the first time I ever called her. We weren't sponsor sponsee yet, but she read she read these couple of pages to me and I was really confused because I was I was in a twelve step program where 
I gave up alcohol. And at the same time, I came in at 20, I guess, 22. And at the same time, I stopped binging and purging because I was using the program. Um, my sponsor at the time told me that all of my, all of my obsessions and addictions could be helped with the 12 steps and I only needed to go to one program. And, you know, that, that was fine. You know, that was my path and I didn't binge and purge and I didn't know, but what I did for proceeded to do for the next 20 years was to restrict and, and that's what I did. And, and, and also to exercise compulsively in order to manage my eating disorder and and so you know the the good news is that the bad news is that it, the disease gets worse but the good news is that um there's there's help in in the 12 steps for for any of our difficulties and it says that so for me the disease itself it it manifested itself in in different ways over over the years so i couldn't really recognize that I was a compulsive overeater, still an addiction, still an active addiction, until my current sponsor read these few pages to me. And, but the, I didn't get it right away. As when she read it to me, I was like, whew, thank goodness I'm not, I'm not in a, I am abstinent because I, I, I didn't know whether I was abstinent or not. You know, I wasn't binging and purging anymore. You know, I was, I was, I could eat a whole watermelon at a time, but that was abstinent food. You know, I didn't have a clue about the disease, about volume, about my eat, my food behaviors, you know, and, and what, and what they did to detract me from spiritual growth. I was still finding ease and comfort in food. It was just more manageable than it had been. You know, for whatever reason, I coasted like that until a major life crisis hit and that's when um, I went into full-blown anorexia and it was you know beyond any doubt that I had I had this disease and it was active and I needed help so I mean it's it's a it's a process to come to to and that's why they they explain it in such detail in this in these pages the difference between whether you're a hard drinker or an alcoholic, and I think that we need help from other recovered people in order to see the truth about ourselves. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Chrissy G. Thank you so much. And good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. Can, am I coming through okay? A little bit of background noise, but I can hear you well. Okay, good. I'm driving. I'm so sorry. Santa, thanks for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader. Um, you know, the, this spiritual malady, all the while I thought it was just food and weight that were my problem. You know, whether someone comes into this program at 90 pounds underweight because they vomit and purge in a variety of ways, or someone comes in at 800 pounds because they can't stop eating, or whether the person comes into this 12-step this program you know, with a syringe and they can't stop and a band around their arm and they can't stop, uh, they can't stop um, injecting themselves with heroin or someone comes in, 
you know, the point is our substances and our behaviors are varied. There's varied manifestations of what? Of a spiritual malady. Now, we know that when we, and it's, our problem is described very, very specifically, this powerless problem with the, you know, that we, we have a twofold nature of the disease. In the doctor's opinion, it talks about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, the mental twist, the double whammy. And an alcoholic has the double whammy, and we may have the double whammy. I'm looking for points in this of identification. And for me, you know, sometimes when we read these things, you know, Bill is describing the varied emotional states that we have. And, um, you know, we come in, yeah, I was a Jekyll and Hyde. I, I could read this, and I could relate to that, and I, I could say yes. I, I was, the, the bottom line is I resembled my normal nature a little. It was, very, it was mentally, emotionally exhausting to do battle with the food every day and to know that I was losing that battle. And it is mentally exhausting for someone to, to, to have to, to put on the, get out the sword and, and put on their armor and battle with purging every day, knowing they're dying of an untreated condition. But what this does is we look for identification. I try to identify in. And indeed, I can. I can identify in with this. And thank God that there is a practical program of action, a spiritual program of action. It was always action that can solve this, this disorder. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. Good morning, Barbara E. Good morning. Can you hear me? I sure can. Oh, well, thank you, Santa, and thank you, everyone else, for doing service on this sunny, at least here in New Jersey, uh, Monday. Uh, your, this program has, of uh, Vision for You has spoiled almost every other meeting for me because we go through this uh, first 164 pages with a magnifying glass pointing right at the paragraphs, and so much more jumps out for me. As I read and listened to this morning's readings, I feel, for me personally, I was always a real compulsive overeater. Uh, I, but I could lose weight for long periods of time because at the same time, I love to follow directions. Eat this, don't eat that. Eat this on Monday, don't eat this on Tuesday. I could do that and lose incredible amounts of weight, but then for no reason at all beyond I want it, I would start eating again. And once I started eating again, I could not stop. Yes, I could lose for a family event, um, but then once the event was over, I was off and running. And when it uses the term antisocial, I have to refer to it in my own terms. I hid in my room, closed the blinds, ate, avoided family events, important family events, because of shame. I didn't want people to see me and judge me inferior, stupid, a sloth, because I had gained the 100 pounds that I lost for a family event several months prior. I was dishonest with people, especially with myself, selfish, certainly, because I avoided events, I avoided doing things with my children, and I hid food 
all over the house in surprising places and ate them. I couldn't wait to get rid of you so that I could be with my frenemy again, food. And it wasn't until I came into the program, and I only came in for a diet, that I found out there was so much more behind my eating that I had to uncover through the program. So once again, I love that we go through this with a fine-tooth comb, and I get to hear the wisdom of people from all over the world. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Barbara E. And next we have is Natasha H. Hi, it's Natasha A as an apple. Thank you. Go right ahead, Natasha A. Hi, this is Natasha A in Upstate New York Recovered. Um, the first thing that stuck out to me in this paragraph is the progression. I really just can see the progression of this disease. You know, it starts out, he says, he started off as a moderate drinker and very much. In my young teenage years, I was a moderate eater. You know, I would have binges on Friday nights, and and we the girls would get, you know, a thing of ice cream, and we'd all binge. Still fun and games back then. Then as I progressed, as this illness does, um, it got worse and worse, and it landed me a couple years later, not even that much time later, where it got to the point where I couldn't drive from home to school without stopping at four different gas stations because I had to continuously be eating. You know, I was almost wrecking my car every blowing stop signs trying to open another bag of something in my car. And it really did become continuous. And then it just, on to the next page on the 22, it talks about how he had to start using sedatives. He couldn't even control just that addiction anymore. He had to continue to do that. And that very much also for me to the end of my disease I was so sick I had to use other things that make me better and I started using you know recreational drugs to help calm down my nerves or or try to mask my appetite thinking that I could maybe go on the rest of my life just taking a pill every morning and I wouldn't have to eat um you know a lot of people in the line are talking about this disease manifesting in other ways. And I came in and I got abstinent, but I wasn't working a program. So, you know, I was still smoking cigarettes and drinking and I was still cut off from the sunlight of the spirit. And I was wondering why I was chronically relapsing and I couldn't get this program. And it wasn't until I got into a vision and somebody explained to me that it's not about the food, it's a spiritual malady. And I was sick spiritually. And that until I put down everything and I, sought out a higher power, that is that is true recovery for me. And I just, I naturally am a very dependent person. And through the 12 steps, I've learned how to depend on my higher power and to stop seeking other things. You know, the minute I get that, that feeling and I feel like I need to either shop or eat or reach out to an inappropriate relationship, you know, I know that that's not... I'm not God-centered in that moment. So that's why I I pick up the big book and I make it fall and I get myself God-centered. And, um, yeah, it's really a spiritual program. Thank you so much for everyone on the line and all the service. And I pass. And thank you, Natasha A. If you're just joining us, we are on page 21 and we're commenting on the second full paragraph on page 21. 
And the first paragraph on page 22. Who would like to comment for approximately three minutes? Dorita P. I heard something with a P. Dorita. Dorita P. Dolita P. Maria P. Diane H. I heard something with an A. Marie V. I heard the last initial I heard was an E. Diane Marie B. Diane A. Marie B. Shannon S. Leslie W. Shannon S. Okay. Leslie W. I have, um, and I probably got your name pronounced incorrectly, but you can help me out. Uh, Dilua P. Then I have um, Diane B. Diane A. Shannon F. And who else? Lisa Leslie J. Leslie W. There's a lot of background noise. I'm sorry. Leslie W. Leslie W. Let's stop right there. There's so much background noise. I'm having a difficult time. Um, Marie B. First, okay, Marie B. I have you down. Lisa J. Lisa J. Okay, we'll stop right here. I have Dilua. Dilua P. Diane A, Shannon F, Leslie W, Marie B, and Lisa J. Before you start, can everyone please mute? I hear someone cooking, I hear road noise, and it's very difficult. Thank you. If everybody can just mute their line and I repeat the names all over again. I can help here. <laughs> Dorita P, Marie V, Leslie W, Diane A, Shannon F, and Lisa J. We're going that order. Dorita P, go right ahead. Hi, my name is Dorita P. It's uh, D E R I T A P like Paul, and I'm in Cleveland, and I am so, so excited to be here. Um, you know, I tell people about the vision, and I say, um, you know, I love the vision, uh, a vision for you, but the disease hates it. Um, so we're, we're talking about um, the disease and being a real alcoholic or a real compulsive overeater. You know, I, I heard on this meeting that, I heard a lady share that, you know, not everybody uh, uh, that comes in into OA uh, uh, is a real alcoholic. You know, some people are moderate or uh, or um, whatever the different uh, categories are um, or different stages. And, you know, for me, uh, being a real compulsive overeater, I had uh, such an urgency, and I guess, some real compulsive overeaters, you know, they still don't have an urgency or they're still not as desperate as I was. Um, you know, I was talking to a sponsee uh, yesterday, and she was talking to one of her sponsees. She was asking me some advice on, on working with her sponsee. And, you know, the bottom line, or to make a long story short, her sponsee, um, 
doesn't have the urgency. Um, I don't know if she, I don't know what category she falls under, but she doesn't have the urgency. And uh, you know, I don't believe in uh, I don't believe in firing people. You know, dropping sponsors. But I just told her uh, to to feed her to feed her the program. You know, each time you talk to her, you know, talk about the program and you know, have you gone to meetings? Um, so I'm just, and, and then they'll eventually stop calling you. You know, you don't have to drop a sponsor. Um, but yeah, I'm a real uh, compulsive reader. I could not stop eating. I could not stop eating for the life of me. You know, I uh, I ate ice cream every single day. And I really knew I had a problem when I, um, this uh, particular, this this store uh, had different uh, hours, but at this particular time, they opened up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I don't remember if I was up all night or I just woke up or what it was, but, you know, I waited outside in the parking lot until they opened at 5 a.m. to get ice cream. You know, you know, you know, it just reminds me of a drug addict waiting for his uh, drug dealer. So I'm just really grateful for this program. I'm grateful for a vision for you. You know, uh, I love this meeting. I love it so much that I recently started a face-to-face meeting with one other, uh, well, one other um, faithful vision person. It was amazing that, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of them in our area, a lot of vision, people that goes to vision in our area. So it was like a real coincidence that we met up. It was it was like it was like really meant to be. So I'm just re- really grateful. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Dorita P. And next we have is Marie V. Good morning. This is Marie V. Recovered in California. Thank you for calling on me. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you to everybody on the line. Good morning, and thank you for the service provided. I really relate to um, the um, paragraph about losing control. According to the definition given here, I am definitely a real compulsive overeater because once I start to eat, I lose I lose everything. I cannot stop once I start. I don't know if I was ever moderate. I don't remember being moderate. I just remember always overeating. And I know that over the years, my overeating was always out of control. I am a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde when I overeat. It was helped a lot by the diet pills. It being a change of my personality. As I kept overeating, the disease progressed in me. And I came from being an innocent, naive, Catholic schoolgirl to a crazy, insane, mean person that took out all her hatred, frustration, and confusion on anybody around me. Without this program, I can be that person again today. 
I'm still a compulsive eater. I am the real thing. I can't survive a day without the steps, without the God that I found in this program, because I will become that person. Oh, yes. Daily. I have little glimpses of that monster that lives in me. But because of the 12 steps, and I do practice 1 through 12 daily, that monster does not make a full appearance. I have people I talk to. I have a sponsor that I keep contact with daily. I have people I sponsor that I talk to daily. And I pray and meditate constantly. I stop and pause during the day. I make my contact with God. I have a secret, what I call my secret little place, that I talk to God throughout the day because I have to keep my connection with Him. I have to remain prepared daily so to keep that monster under control. Without God, without this program, I don't have a chance. Thank you. I don't ever want to go back to that person I was before the program. I certainly don't want to take the disease back. I want to remain grateful and humble before my God. Grateful to be restored to sanity a day at a time. Thank you, God. I am just saying enough to meet each day. With that, I pass. And thank you, Marie V. And next we'll have Leslie W. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. This is Leslie W. Recovered in Tennessee. Thank you for that, Diane H. Leslie W., go right ahead. Go ahead, Leslie H. Thank you. This is Leslie W. Recovered in Tennessee. Thank you, Sandra, for your service. Um, He is a real... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, that was me. I just, I, I just didn't know it. You know, um, I love being on this line and hearing and hearing you, New Jersey and New York gals, because you're so real. You're so honest. You're so, you just keep it real. You know, um, but us Southern gals, it's a little bit different culture down here, you know. I mean, I, I was I was raised not to go to the mailbox without my lipstick on. Um, I was in pageants ever since I was three years old. Um, I never ever really understood how to be honest with people. Um, I knew how to pretend. And I knew how to behave when I was in front of certain people. And, you know, the food just really fit in with that. Um, For me, I was very dishonest with my food. I always ate in secret. I hid food. Um, At the height of my worst, I I would actually travel with jars of peanut butter in my suitcases because, God forbid, I would go somewhere where they wouldn't have peanut butter. Um, 
you know, I, I really was living a double life. Um, I would go to church on Sunday, sing in the choir, and then come home and be stark raving mad with my husband and snap at him and lash out at him and hide with my food. And, you know, I'm not that person today. I can actually be honest with people today. Yes, I'm still a Southern gal, and yes, I still might wear my lipstick to the grocery store most days. Um, but the thing is, I, I understand who I am now. And this program and this meeting, this meeting in particular, really helped me understand the true nature of my disease and helped me get honest with myself. And that has made all the difference. Being honest with myself has enabled me to really accept who I am. And I am a compulsive overeater today. But thank God I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Leslie W. And next we'll have Diane A. And then after Diane A will be Shannon F. Good morning, Diane. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I didn't mean to cut in the line there. Um, yeah, I, I really am a, I am a compulsive overeater. I was thinking about that this morning because of the progressiveness of the disease. Uh, last night I woke up and I really wanted to binge, and um, I've been abstinent for, like, five weeks and two days, <laughs> and I'm counting, and um, it was really, really hard not to binge, um, and uh, I, I've got my food plan, I'm calling my food in every single day, and um, there's a couple foods that I'm questionable about, and I'm just praying for the willingness to give them up. Um, but I'm I'm getting ready to do a fourth step, and um, I'm just doing the best that I can. Um, I'm listening to the vision for you every single morning. Um, I'm missing it terribly on the weekends. I just feel like it's my lifeline during the week, and. Um, I'm talking to my sponsor every single day. I'm calling newcomers. I'm calling old-timers who I really have good recovery that I listen to on the line. And um, I'm just hanging in there because I was in OA for 40 years and never got any recovery at all. So, I mean, this is a real miracle for me. Um, so I'm, I'm just really grateful to everybody who has so much recovery on the line. I just want to thank everybody who calls in and um, does this meeting. Thank you. I pass. And thank you, Diane A. And next we'll have Shannon F. followed by Lisa J. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. This is Shannon F. Like Sam, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Good morning. Uh, Shannon S. Um, in New York, recovered by the grace of God and so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful for everybody to be here. Thank you, Santa, for your service and everybody else who's done service. Um, I, I love this, these paragraphs. Um, I, I love this sentence. Um, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And um, I was so controlled, so rigid in 
all areas of my life except when it came to this place of eating. Then I had absolutely no control. And I kept such a tight grip on everything else in my life because this area of food was just totally out of control. It was this big thing that I had no defense against. You know, we had no defense against that that first bite. And I had no clue that I had a disease. And then uh, fast forward several years, I I married, and um, I married an alcoholic. And I was so focused on his behavior and so focused on his disease that I didn't realize what a Jekyll and Hyde I was. I remember one day um, I was uh, I was coming coming off of a, a a food a food binge and I was in a food hangover and um, I was feeling that restless, irritable, and discontent and I dropped a can in the kitchen and I went off. I mean, I could be this mild mannered, passive. Um, person who didn't say boo to then I drop a can and I am like this raging lunatic and I remember my husband saying you know Shannon when you do things like that that affects everyone around you and those words hit me right between the eyes because it was like I was so focused on his quote-unquote problem that I did not have the energy or the time or the attention to look at my problem and my problem was huge um, I never got mildly intoxicated. It was all or nothing. Either I white-knuckled it and stayed away from the food for a period of time, or I was off and running until I passed out. And so I was always insanely drunk in some way, shape, or form. And I can't, you know, looking back, now that I'm free of that obsession, now that I have the neutrality around the food, I don't even know how I functioned. I was not present for life at all. Um, so many times it talks about here in this paragraph, you know, that we had an d- important decision. Um, we have an engagement kept. And at that point, that's that's when I would, quote, unquote, lose it. I couldn't handle it anymore. And it was because it wasn't about self-control. It was about the fact that I had a disease. And it was going to manifest itself whenever it was going to manifest itself. And I didn't have control. Um, Thank you so much. And I just want to close by saying, thankfully to this program, I realized that I have a disease and I found a solution. And now my eyes are open. The fog is lifted and I can truly live life and speak into and give service to the people around me. Thank you all so much. I pass. And thank you, Shannon F., as in Frank. And next we have Lisa. I'm I'm sorry. It's Shannon S., like Sam. Sam. Thank you. Shannon S., as in Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And next we have Lisa J. Good morning, everybody. Lisa J. here from Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you all for your service. Thank you for being here. Um, if you don't mind timing me, I do not have a timer. Um, uh, you know, there's an old saying, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. And boy, was that uh, my history with eating. Um, but, you know, once I put the cork in the bottle and sobered up a little and did my inventory, I was able to see how insane my life had been for years. Talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I was 
you know, uh, on the outside, functioning just normally, you know, capable person. Um, but on the other side of the binge, that's when Mr. Hyde came out. Um, that's when the lunatic, the, the, the horrible, mean-spirited, angry person came out. And I was, so, I was so pissed off at myself that I just lashed out at everybody around me. I was a, I was a real... Um, and that came evident when I got married uh, later in life and well into my disease. Uh, my, my poor husband didn't, didn't sign up to be my punching bag, but, um, and he, he took a lot of, lot of hits on the chin, I'll tell you. Um, anyway, I, I look back and I love this paragraph. As I read it over and over again, the more mature I get in program, um, this thing is, I, I underline more and more of it every, every time I go through it. But, you know, one thing about eating um, for me was I became antisocial in my food immediately because, you know, the culture we live in, you know, women just don't eat like pigs or, you know, at the trough or in front of people. But, you know, I became, the disease drove me into being antisocial and my life became darker and darker and the the box that I was living in became smaller and smaller it closed in on me and um you know I I can't believe when it says down here incredibly dishonest and selfish I I was never raised to be dishonest um I didn't have that that uh, example in front of me, my parents, you know, lived with too much honesty, I would say, but I, I used to go get birthday cakes um, at a bakery um, because that was my, one of my big binge foods. And, you know, what started out as once every couple weeks became once a week, became once every two weeks. And I'll never forget this girl behind the counter said to me, she said, gee, you must have a lot of friends that you get birthday cakes so much. And I, lied with such dexterity and ease that it it shocked me. I said, oh, no, I work for the HR department at work, and um, I ha- I'm in charge of getting the birthday cake. And I, you know, and that's, that's where my lying took me. And, you know, it was in a bad place, but thank the Lord for the program. I'm not like that anymore, and I'm able to share the message with others. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. And thank you, Lisa J. We do have time for two more shares. Anita J. Anita J. Nessa R. Nessa R. Okay, now that will take us to the end. Good morning, Anita J. Good morning, Santa H. This is Anita J. Recovered out in Massachusetts. Um, I can't let this description of me and so many of the people I love go by without saying, yes, I am one too. Um, I heard on these lines something I had always suspected, but I would never say it out loud because I didn't hear it in the rooms. And that was, food is not the problem. Food is the solution. And it was the solution from the age of three. At the age of three, I was doing a path back and forth to the bread box. I was doing, it was just, the, it was the beginning. I actually threw up once. 
um, because I ate so many cookies. The, the point of the thing is it's the solution piece. And you know what? Thank God I had a solution in those days. Or I think I would have. I don't know what I would have become. But the point is I'm not three. I'm not a teenager. I'm not in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or even 60s. And that same coping skill was there, alive and well. I've taken so many courses. I've read so many books. Why didn't I understand this? You know what? It doesn't matter. That's the irony. I don't regret the past. Now that I see the description and I can say, yes, I am one too. And it's, it's not a death sentence, is it? It's the beginning of a new life. And such a life. You know, I had created to the best of my ability a life with a higher power that I, I thought I was doing his will. But I was doing like bits and pieces of his will. I was doing bits and pieces of my life. And the thing is, once you see what you suffer from and what the solution is, that drove me forward. Once I really got it, that I'm the trigger. I was triggering this all my life, trying to find something to calm the little kid inside of me. And you know what? It's, it's, it's calm now. She trusts me. Uh, she knows that I have found a solution and that um, all is well. She's not vigilant anymore. I've let God be the vigilant one that I obey. And I thank you. I thank you all so much uh, on vision. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Anita J. And Nessa R. Thank you. Uh, good morning. This is Nessa R., a uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. This reference to uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde always makes me think of two things. The first thing is, if only I had had a little bit of Dr. Jekyll in me, because I was all Mr. Hyde. I was always uh, miserable and insane. Regardless of whether I was in the food or out of the food, it, it didn't really matter. You know, and the root cause for that is that I had a single-minded single pursuit of what I wanted and what I thought I needed. And, of course, my nose was always out of joint because um, things were not the way I wanted, people did not behave the way I wanted, things did not work out the way I intended, etc. So my nose was always out of joint, and I was always unhappy. And, you know, the other thing that uh, makes me um, bring comes to mind as a result of this quote is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps you know like a, a spiritual awakening is a personality transformation and the transformation happens as a result of working the steps in abstinence because you know it teaches me a new way of thinking i mean through steps one through nine i learn a new skill set a new approach to life. And in steps 10, 11, and 12, I get to practice it every day, every minute of the, the day until it becomes a working part of the mind. So, you know, my mind doesn't uh, always, I mean, sometimes it does, but doesn't usually go to 
what it is that Nessa wants, what it is that Nessa thinks she needs, you know, and try to, trying to get it at all costs, no matter who uh, or what I trample on. Uh, my mind, uh, now, I'm, I, I, now with this new um, approach to life, I can face whatever comes my way, whether it is what I wanted or what I didn't want, whether it is a challenge, um, something that I didn't plan. But more importantly, I'm not focused on me anymore. You know, it's like, it's like uh, what it says, I think it's in, in Bill's story, when he talks about uh, service and self-sacrifice for others. You know, I'm, I'm focused mostly now on what I can do for others. And it's not about me anymore. It's not about me anymore. And if that's not a transformation to go from a, a, a constant Mr. Hyde whose nose was out of joint because nothing went my way to somebody who, uh, for the most part, doesn't care about my little plans and designs anymore, cares about uh, doing for others, giving to others, and being of service, uh, I mean, that's an incredible transformation right there, and it can only happen as a result of the steps. Uh, and I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of studying immediately following closing. The share ID for Monday, April 3rd, 2017, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 9789. Nine, nine. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will City R please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only until keep you until then, please. Thank you so much, Santa. This is Hori R, compulsive overeater in Israel. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't asked. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.